What's up, Internet? Welcome back to another episode of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my very good friend, DJ The Content Lewis. What's up, Pete and everybody else? <laughs> On this week's show, we're going to be talking about Pokemon, as you might have guessed, uh, and answering your questions. A few other things, but the, let's, let's be real. The main event here is Pokemon. Pokemon Sword and Shield are upon us, and of course, those cowardly Brits, Pixelpar and Steve, are... You know, gallivanting across America or sick, you know, and they're not here to talk about Pokemon. Can you believe that? So I brought in the only man on the Lupot staff who's been able to defeat Pokemon so far. DJ the Content Lewis. Welcome back, DJ. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I literally like snowplowed through this game. I could not believe it. It was like the day after it came out, and you're like, oh, yeah, I already got six badges. I was like, what the fuck? I haven't even left the wild area. You and, like, everybody else. And honestly, I kind of feel like I played it wrong because everybody was like, yeah, I'm eight hours in and haven't even left the wild area yet. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm eight hours in, halfway done the game. <laughs> Dude, my uh, a, f- a friend of mine who is a big Pokemon fan uh, he was nine hours into the game before he went and got his first badge. That's insane. And there's been no other Pokemon game that has done anything like that. No, not at all. Where you even had the option, you know? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I guess you could just run around and grind, but this, like, you're occupied the entire time. Mm-hmm. There's tons of stuff to do. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's, like, talk about it. So what we're playing this week is obviously Pokemon, uh, you know, you've beaten the game. I am, I think I'm about 15-ish hours in, maybe? Between 15 and 20, I'm not sure exactly where. Um, and I uh, have just gotten the fifth badge, and I'm on my way to the sixth. So it's in that uh, that desert area. That's where I am right now. Yeah, that's where the game gets a little bit more difficult. And everybody's saying that, The game is, like, super easy. Um, Most people that I talked to were able to, like, easily beat the first three gyms. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the challenge kind of ramped up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, it's inherently easier than most games, right? It's Pokemon. Like, it's supposed to be accessible, you know? Like, even Pokemon at its peak difficulty, um, unless you're talking about, like, endgame content, right, should be accessibly difficult so with with that in mind right that that's like the the baseline that pokemon should kind of be um i don't know shooting for like this is the most difficult the game has been in i would say since gen 5 you know or or gen 4 even you know um definitely uh i think a far cry from what we saw in the 3ds generation or those two generations where um, we really, really saw the difficulty get like hugely nerfed and also like the real ramping up of the hand holding, which this game does a good job of avoiding where like you can skip most of the tutorializing just by being like, Oh yeah, I know how to do this. And then they, they let you, you know, get on with the game. And that to me is hugely important. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the argument of saying that like whether it's content being cut or whatever has been made up for in whether it's the wild area or even like like you said i walked into the pokemon center and hop is like 
have you been here before? And you could say, yeah, and you don't have to go through, this is their story. This is the Pokemart. This is where you buy shit. You don't have to do any of that. And you could just get on with the game and play the game. Or you could go to the wild area and literally get your level 10 Sobble obliterated by a Tyranitar. Dude, literally the first Pokemon that I encountered in the wild zone was like a level 30 or 40 Onix. And I was just like, all right, cool. Like, I can't fight that. And, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, and like that, that's a huge deal, man. You know, like Pokemon has never done that. And and don't get me wrong, like there's a lot of things you can criticize the game for, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that. But overall, like, you know, this isn't the... I think kind of Breath of the Wild style, you know, uh, reset of the franchise that a lot of people hoped for on Switch. But I think it's a hell of a step in the right direction towards the game that we ultimately want, which is a Pokemon game that's more open, that, you know, doesn't limit us as experienced players, and that doesn't, you know, that presents some level of challenge and, you know, uh, that really gives you like a sense of, you know, adventure and discovery, like I think the original games did, you know, and to a lesser extent, each generation afterward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And at the expense of what some people would call content, um, which again is, you know, a, a very valid argument. I'm not discrediting that argument, but I've had friends who haven't picked up a Pokemon game since maybe Gen 3 with Ruby and Sapphire. Mm -hmm. And they jumped into Sword and Shield and they're like, this lower dex number made the encounters a lot more interesting and made completing the decks a lot less intimidating. And it just made it overall more fun. I mean, I can't explain the moment I went to the wild area for the first time, which is relatively early in the game. Yeah. I mean, it's like I got there within an hour, which yeah. is that's mm -hmm. good. Yeah. And, and you can, like you said, run into a level 30 Onyx. Or, you know, I was finding Pokemon that, you know, I don't want to like sit here and spoil all the Pokemon you're going to find, but I think, I think at this point you can say that I like, I, I we're not going to go into like a full spoiler discussion or anything, but like, I think saying which Pokemon are in the decks at this point is like public knowledge. So I would go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, I, fa I found a lot of my team in the wild area. I'm sure a lot of people did Nuzleaf, um, sure. Pumpkaboo, you know, so th these spawns are like. It, it makes it so much more interesting, whereas in the other games, you're finding Pidgey, you know, or, or Zubat. Yeah, it's it's great that in the very beginning of the game, you know, you're able to create a pretty diverse team in terms of Pokemon from multiple different generations, but also, like, different types. Like, having access to, like, a ghost Pokemon that early is, like, cool and different, you know? Um, so there's lots of little things like that that I think are definitely, like, a real step in the right direction in terms of, like, opening the game up and giving us, like, just a more lived-in world, you know? A world that feels more like what, what again, you know, and I hate to keep making this comparison, but, like, with Breath of the Wild, where every corner of that map, you know, like, that first time you play it, like, you want to know what's over that next hill, you know? And when I got to the wild area for the first time, it gave me that feeling. And is it, it's a lot smaller than that, but it's also not super small. Like, no, no it's big. And I think the thing is like, so I, I really like the game. 
right? I think that's clear at this point. We're both big fans of it, and, you know, I, I it's the most I've enjoyed a Pokemon game in a while, and I enjoyed every entry that I've played except for five because I never finished them. Um, so I, I, I definitely think that this is a, a good game, and I really love where it's taking the franchise. However, I think that there is this weird thing where before Pokemon Sword and Shield came out, there was this whole narrative of negativity around it. And, you know, obviously a lot of the things that were said about it have been proved to be either not true or that they don't really seem to matter to people because the good outweighs the bad. That being said, I don't think that that there isn't room for criticism of the game because one of the things that you said that sticks out to me is it's huge for a Pokemon game. Mm -hmm. And that's true. And I, I like, I get what you mean by that because as a Pokemon fan, I feel the same way where like I'm used to a certain standard of game and the fact that they've raised the bar even a little bit feels like a massive leap, you know? And that being said, like, I don't think it's wrong to hold them to a higher standard given their level of experience and the level of like, quality that we've come to expect from nintendo switch games you know Mm -hmm. because you know your mileage may vary on some of the smaller titles but when it comes to like the big tentpole releases from nintendo on the nintendo switch they've all been either you know console defining or genre defining games you know Mm -hmm. and especially when i played fire emblem three houses earlier this year which was a phenomenal rpg that i fell in love with like you as there is a lot of things that like i still want to see game freak do better you know um and that doesn't mean i don't love the game but i also don't i don't want to let the narrative get carried away on on the hype and the love that we have for this game to say that none of that criticism was was valid because some of it was I would say, yeah, a, a good amount of it was um, <clears throat> to the extent that it reached, you know, uh, you can argue was a little much, but Pokemon in general, when you compare it to, like you said, Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, Fire Emblem, it's always been a step behind those franchises in general quality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to see it do better, but not as good as those other console defining games i understand that's frustrating but i i always tend to look more optimistic and to say this is a better pokemon game and when you look at it within its own scope it is a better pokemon game and you know i i think that you know the dex cut at first was upsetting but seeing how it played out in the game really doesn't bother me oh my gosh it, it i didn't even i didn't even think about it the whole playthrough the one the one thing I will say that I think it, it does make a difference for is I I feel like there's this weird growing pain that I feel like Pokemon's going through. I said I feel like six times in that sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but what I'm trying to say here is I think that there's a weird growing pain that we're seeing Pokemon go through here as it's more committing to the, you know, uh, third person perspective like open world style adventuring and catching Pokemon because I think the spawn rates feel somewhat similar in those open wild areas to previous Pokemon games which 
is kind of weird because you get this like situation where you know when I first went into the wild area, um, like there's tons of of Pokemon that you're able to catch there, right? But you do sometimes, depending on the weather or some of the other environmental factors, see the same Pokemon showing up in the same areas all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain level of realism to that in terms of like, well, you know, like this is what kind of Pokemon would live in this part of the map or whatever. And like that makes sense. But I think when you end up running into the same Pokemon over and over again until – you're a high enough level to go to a new part of the map and see some of the other stuff that's around, like it ends up making the world feel smaller, you know? Mm -hmm. And that section of the map isn't small. Like, I think there are some people who like wanted or expected more. Like I actually, it was bigger than I thought it was going to be. And I'm, I am satisfied by the size of it for a first step. Um, That being said, I, I wish, and I don't understand why, the types of Pokemon that you see in the different segments of the map are, like, so, so different, you know? Like, because, like, there's that second right back area that you can get to where, like, there's a lot of, um, like, Ghastly and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Bronzong's first evolution. I don't remember Uh, what it's Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. I'm drawing a blank, too. Um, Is it Bronzor? It might be Bronzor and okay. uh, and like Mudbray and stuff like that. And there's a bunch of those Pokemon over there and they're like level 40 stage one Pokemon, you know, and it's or third or 28 or 30 or whatever it is. But like, you know, it would be cool if those like low level like starter evolutions would just rotate on the section you're able to like be when you're at that level. You know, so you could catch some of them and have a more diverse and not to say that you can't pick a lot of different Pokemon. You have a lot of options early on, which is cool, but it would be great if there were even more, you know, like especially if it was based on all of those factors that are at play, like whether it's day or night and, you know, what kind of weather's on the map and all that stuff. There would be a real ability for them to make it feel like, oh, I have a real incentive as a player to keep going back to the wild zone so that I can see what other Pokemon are available now that it's a new day or a different time of day or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that could be a very good next step, you know? Yeah. Like, to bu- build on that idea. It's it's close, right? Like, it mm-hmm. feels like those yeah. things, but it's... And it's weird because being in the 3D space and seeing the Pokemon, like, on the screen, I think makes the... Seeing the same one come up over and over again worse than it used to be because you're just walking through the grass before, you know? And, like, it would be, oh, yeah, I'm running into a Zubat over and over and over again because I'm in a cave that's full of Zubat. That makes sense. But, like, I think when you're out in the field and you just see, like, five Panchams all together and no other Pokemon around, it's a little bit, like... You know what I mean? It, it makes it makes that space feel smaller than it is. It makes it feel mm-hmm. less alive. And yeah. I think it would be cool if they could um, up the ante in that way a little bit, you know? And not to say that there isn't an awesome experience to be had with this, but it's you can see where you want it to be, and it's just not quite there yet, you know? I do have to admit, it's actually really funny because um, you can basically be chased by a lot of Pokemon that can walk. <laughs> so I was getting yeah. chased by a bunch of Machokes, which to me, that feels 
realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. If you go and you piss off him a choke, it's going to chase you. And and that's the thing is those moments where you have those authentically like Pokemon moments like that are awesome. And they mm-hmm. happen a lot. But there is a point where you know what to expect and it's like it, it it's it it loses that uh, effect over time, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's, like, natural to a degree with any game. But again, right, like, yeah. when you compare it to something like Breath of the Wild, where you have that moment over and over, that's the whole game, is having that moment. Based on those moments that you and I are having that are unique and authentic like that, that it's like, man, this should just be the whole game, you know? Yeah. And it can be for a lot of people, you know, well, yeah. or most of it. And, and that's the thing is, like, it's not to say that I don't like the main storyline. I actually really like the main storyline because it's so backed off. Like, it reminds me of the old Pokemon story where it's like, okay, cool. There's, like, four characters whose names I have to remember, and they all have distinct personalities and serve, like, a distinct role where it's like, okay, there's uh, – you know what? And I said I remember their names, but I actually now I'm going to blank on some of them because I'm on the spot. Uh, what's what's the uh, what's the the um, professor's granddaughter's name? Sonia. Sonia. Yeah, like Sonia is there to advance the main underlying plot. It's cool that you get to know Lee the champion like before you go and fight him and everything because it's like, oh, I can't wait to go fight him. You know, like now it creates that like rivalry with him as well, which is cool. And that's different. Um, you know, I I like uh, the dynamic that you have between um, Bede, I think is how you say it, Beady, like the yeah, evil rival. Yeah. Like, it's the most I've hated a rival in forever, you know? And, like, that's awesome because I've missed that, like, having a real jerk rival who, you know, isn't just, like, the hapless next-door neighbor friend. Yeah, it almost felt like um, Gen 6 done right, where you have these different rivals but the personality really wasn't there. Whereas in these games, yeah, you have Bede. Um, I'm going to go with how you said it. Um, yeah. You have Marnie and you have Hop. Right. You know, and yeah. you have all these different personalities that actually work really well together, you know, and it's not just this weird, like mush, like I felt it was in Gen 6. I don't know yeah. if, if you and, agree with that, but. No, I totally agree. And 7 was like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it was just too much. Like, it's like every five minutes they're stopping and there's dialogue and there's dialogue and there's dialogue. And it's like, oh, my God. And in this, like, I feel like it's it's way more scaled back to a point where I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's 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 a means to an end. And the writing is, you know, like, better, you know, because it's more concise and it's not trying to, like, layer in these complex narratives and all this stuff. It's just like, no, like. It's a bare bones Pokemon story. We know what you want to do. You want to get out there and play Pokemon and and be the best, you know, catch Pokemon, explore the areas. And, you know, that's what I want to do, you know, and I feel like I'm rewarded for wanting to play that way. And especially when you go to the options, I don't know if you saw, you can turn off cutscenes. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't even check out any of the, of the, you know, the settings. And like, I haven't done that because I want to play the story, but like, that is, that's one of those things where like, I will never, ever, ever, unless it's for, like, a piece of content or, like, 
uh, you know, like educative purposes for myself if I want to write about Pokemon. I can't ever see myself going back and playing Generations 5, 6, or 7. And I liked 6 or 7 when they were out, but like there's too much hand-holding. They're too easy. There's no reason for me to want to go back now at this point. Like I had that experience and it was like I loved Sun and Moon, but I'll never play it again. But this game, I want to play it again. And I can see that it's made it easy for me to do so, where I can skip all the tutorials, I can turn off cutscenes, and I can just roll through and play like it's an old school Pokemon game. Mm -hmm. I am playing it again. I got Already? I got both versions, and yeah, I'm I'm playing. Uh, I beat Sword, and I am playing Shield. Awesome. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, you have these different gym leaders, and my favorite gym leader that I really wanted to uh, fight is in Shield. How different are they? Like, how many gym leaders are different? Um, I've seen at least two. Okay, cool. Yeah, at least two. There could be more. Are the first three the same, though? Um, I, I think so. I definitely think so. I feel like it's really interesting, like, because, like, the first three gym leaders, I feel like you get to know a lot better, and, like, their, their story cutscenes and stuff are, like, more fleshed out, and then it's after mm -hmm. that, like, I feel like the game really speeds up in, in the kind 100%. of... You know, like you just go to the mm -hmm. town, you beat the like you just you don't even like meet them. You just talk to them and it's like, all right, cool. What's up? We're going to fight. It's like, oh, OK. I was expecting there to be some other side thing because there was for the first three, you know, and I like that, too, because I feel like that really like the, the pacing of the game is really working for me because I feel like I've never, ever been in a position where I'm just like, I just want to get through this and get to the next thing. You know, like it's easy for me if I if I just want to like fool around or grind or there's always a new place for me to go and catch new Pokemon that I was mm -hmm. too weak to catch before. And right. that's cool. And if I want to advance the story, I feel like I'm every time I play, even if it's for an hour, if it's for, you know, two or three hours, I'm able to get through at least one gym and achieve something and be like, cool, I made progress, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, and not that I'm totally. just bogged down in bullshit. Yeah. And I have to say that uh, in my interpretation, the purpose, the first three gym leaders outside of obviously being gym leaders, the purpose they serve is to really make you understand that in Galar, gym battles are fucking intense. They are big and like gigantic and just huge events never have has been that way before. And it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I and that's something that I I think I really appreciate about the game is I think like in sun and moon having the tasks or whatever that you had to do like instead mm -hmm. of the gyms you know those challenges were um i thought cool because it it felt different and it really like made it feel like that region had its own culture you know and like at the end of the day you know in the world of pokemon like all cultures built around battling pokemon so like there's going to be similarities but it felt unique and i feel like galar feels that way too where there's Obviously, the Dynamaxing and, and Gigantamaxing is different, but I think the culture around Pokemon battling feels way more akin to, like, the anime, you know, mm -hmm. where it's, like, a major sports event, and the people yeah. who are the, ch the person who's the champion is, like, a sports hero, and, you know, everybody knows his name and wears his jersey, and, like, mm -hmm. you know when you go to a, a gym battle it's like a bunch of people are there at once you know because the gym leader's super busy and like it's not just you going and beating three people in a row to a crowd of nobody you know and it feeling like this more intimate thing it feels like it's this big you know 
you're on the world stage and this is your chance and mm-hmm. that's cool it really it really gives it a different flavor you know and and like i think elevates the uh like the sports angle to it you know and yeah. and that that's cool yeah and it feels to me like a really good balance between past pokemon games and sun and moon like past meaning pre sun and moon obviously um where you are kind of doing like a quote unquote trial but you're also getting that traditional fighting the gym leaders you know posse and and the gym trainers as well you're kind of yeah. doing both yeah and how, you like those too oh yeah and i'd i'd actually never had legitimate fun um with like a gym puzzle then this one again i i don't want to i i don't want to spoil anything i don't want to spoil those yeah but yeah yeah cuz that if you haven't played those are unique and you know um we're we're going to do a spoiler cast at some point about yeah. it yeah yeah but, but um, you, you know you'll you'll have legit fun <laughs> yeah. like like you've never had in a gym before yeah so yeah i um the only other thing i i wanted to talk about i guess was what what is your take on the decks for Galar? Like, not the whole wider decks, like the new Pokemon. Like, how are you feeling about them? Are there any that are, like, standout favorites for you? You know, who are the ones that you used in your team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I overall just love all of the new Pokemon. Um, this is the first time where I put the starters and their evolutions, like, kind of lower on the list, actually. Oh, dude, um, I... I put my starter in the box and stopped using him like 20, <laughs> 20 levels ago. All my Pokemon are uh, in the 40s now, you know, and um, mm-hmm. the only he yeah, he's like 20 something because I was just yeah. like, I don't I don't like him. Yeah. And, and not to say that they're bad, but no, they're bad. I'll th- say that you think so. I do. Wow. Um, uh, I don't I don't I don't, I don't think like they're them. terrible. This is the least I've ever liked a set of Pokemon starters, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I I like them better than Gen fives personally. I um, also don't love Gen fives, but I think mm-hmm. I think these are worse. Wow. Wow. I do. That's a hot take. <laughs> it's it's how I feel, man. I think the rest of the decks, you know, in terms of style and things like that, you yeah. know, the the starters are kind of lower on the list for me. You know, I love Yamper. I love Rookadee. I love um, yo. Boltund is awesome. Yamper's evolution is a yeah. bad, but I love I love my Boltund. Yeah, yeah. I used one on my team, and it just you know it's not the greatest, but it gets the job done for the typing. He's good. Um, yeah, I mean he comes in clutch for me all the time. She. Um, yeah. yeah. So my my team right now, my average, my lowest level Pokemon is forty three. My highest is forty six, and I've got Copperaja, uh, Surfetched, Dreadnought, Dubwool, Rapidash, and Boltund. I love Copperaja. I caught a level 65 one in the wild area. It was just yeah. chilling there, and I'm like, hell yeah. That's awesome. It's so badass. Love it. And I, I, I love this squad. Uh, and it's it's funny because there are definitely some of the Pokemon that I had in my team where, like, I think this is the generation where I've been the most into the, like, underling evolutions rather than the final of all forms because there's a few Pokemon. Like, that, that squirrel guy, I cannot remember his name. <laughs> Uh, but the normal squirrel, I liked him, but I didn't like his evolution Mm -hmm. and, uh, the same with all the starters. I like all of their original stages a lot. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, this is going to be one of the best sets of starters we've ever seen. And I hate all of their final evolutions and their middle evolutions. Wow. Um, I liked, uh, Blitbug and Dotler, but I didn't love Orbeetle. 
So it's like there's a few Pokemon like that where like their their final stage hasn't exactly worked out for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like Nickit and Thievil. Like I didn't like Thievil as much as I like Nickit. Okay. What about like Applin and Hatena? What are your thoughts on them? I haven't seen them. Really? I've seen everyone talking about them, but I don't I don't even really know what they look like. Actually, I know I know what they look like, but I've never ran into one now that you say that. Well, that's the thing is I'm not looking up Pokemon. Like I'm just I'm trying okay. to go into this fresh, you know? So yeah. um there's Pokemon I haven't really like gotten familiar with yet, which is awesome to me. Yeah, yeah. It takes and it takes a while. You're like learning a whole new everybody's on the same page, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, like, they're, uh, th- I really like this Dex a lot so far. Good. Like, I, I feel like most of the new designs have been really cool and um, and fresh, you know? There's definitely a few that have been, um, like I said, kind of disappointing to me. And some of them are just downright weird. But, like, you know, it's always a mixed bag with the new decks. So I'd say overall I'm pretty positive about it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm very, very positive about it. And even the legendaries are awesome. Um, just every everything. Like I, I I can't even think of besides the squirrel, one that I don't like. I already called out some, so you know, I I won't belabor the point. But uh <laughs> but yeah, so we uh you know, we're getting a little <clears throat> long in the tooth on this conversation and it definitely won't be the last chat we have about Pokemon. Um obviously when Steve and Pixel come back, uh we'll have to talk about it again and I'd like to set up a spoiler cast, like I said, at some point. Um so, you know, we'll figure something out when we, you know. Yeah, totally. And I I do wanna say, one of the just real quick, one of the best parts of this game is the music. So, oh yeah, the soundtrack is radical. Yeah, we could go on and on about it, just as musicians, you and I. But you yeah, know, I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Some of the best music in the series. Yeah, and it's it's funny because Pokemon is a game that I've like historically enjoyed playing. Like you know, like while I've got TV on or something or whatever, and like as much as I love the music, you know. But like I'm totally with this soundtrack i'm like nah like i gotta listen to it i gotta have it on i don't want anything else going on like it's it's rips and i think most of the pokemon soundtracks are good you know yeah some of them are all-time favorites as i've said in the past so um yeah yeah definitely the music deserves a nod um and yeah so we'll you know i don't i don't want to chew on it too much longer so we'll, we'll move on to the news all right, so we've got a short uh, news list this week, which is fine by me because we've got some questions to get into later. Uh, but keeping with the Pokemon Sword and Shield conversation, uh, <laughs> this game has sold a hell of a lot of copies for a game that everybody was talking about boycotting. Mm-hmm. And, le- and let's <laughs> be clear, this is not um, shipped numbers. This is end user, from what I've seen, yeah. like sold. Right, so the, so Pokemon Sword and Shield has sold six million copies combined so far, um, and this is uh, <laughs> so this has become the fastest selling Nintendo Switch of all uh, game of all time, and it shipped two million copies in just the first two days, and then it hit six million worldwide by the uh, the third day. So it was between Friday November fifteenth through Sunday November seventeenth, and that's just units sold through to consumers so that's not even all this the copy shipped yet either so like Mm -hmm. the game will probably sell a lot more quickly because i know i've also seen reports from cerebi that it's sold out in a lot of places so um yeah i think of the last time that anything like that has happened 
where a Pokemon game or a game in general that isn't a very obscure game is sold out. Yeah, I mean, not not like this. Um, so it's yeah, it's something else. The the game is definitely. Oh, and it's also the highest grossing launch of any Pokemon game. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, it said it was among the fastest selling Nintendo Switch games of all time. So I'm not sure. We'll have to see where that you know nets mm-hmm. out if if it is the fastest but right. um it's it's a record breaker point being right so i think clear that a lot of this controversy was a lot of hullabaloo about nothing um and a lot of people were excited to play the game no matter what so uh yeah congratulations due to game freak and the pokemon company and nintendo you know um i i the thing now is to see will it outsell uh, gold and silver which i think are the highest selling games in the series let's see that's gonna be crazy yeah congratulations to them and and seriously i i want to thank them as well for you know they they put up with a lot of shit and a lot of criticism that you know whether it was warranted or not you know they 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 had a hell of a time so congrats to them <laughs> yeah so it looks like the highest selling one Total was Pokemon Gold and Silver, which sold 23.1 million copies. Okay. So and somewhere... we had Mario Kart 8 Deluxe pushing about 20 mil the last you know report that we got, I think. So yeah. it could definitely uh it could definitely reach that. I don't know. It'll be I don't... it's it's weird because be I hard. think I, I don't I don't know. I don't. I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll be able to hit that much, but it really depends on how many more sales it made, like that we don't know about yet, right? Yeah. Like if they give me the report next week that it's like, oh, it's already at fifteen million or something like that. It's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> then and we then also maybe... see more Pokemon games now more than ever. You know, so right. people have a lot more to choose from. Uh, whereas back then, you know, you had the Maid series and like pinball <laughs> or whatever. Right, and that's kind of the thing is that you got to think the next game is going to be out next year probably. Mm-hmm. So probably. like if that's if that's the case, like it only has a year to sell, and I don't think it's going to sell to a, like a you know like no over a, a third of Switch users in yeah. a year. That doesn't seem likely. Um, but I think it's definitely on track to be one of the highest selling games on Switch. Clearly, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously it, it's already doing you know a hell of a good job. So. Yep. Uh, you know, um, I hope all of you listeners out there are enjoying it. I know plenty of you in the Discord have been lighting up our Pokemon Sword and Shield chat uh, and our trades chat. So uh, if you're not already a member of the Discord, again, I'd like to remind you to go check it out because it's a great little community of nut job Nintendo fans like yourself mm-hmm. who are hanging out every day, talking, trading, battling. It's been a good time. And we're um, all there, too. So. Yeah, yeah, we're in there all the time. I, I try to get in there every day and talk to uh, talk to the folks. And uh, shout outs to Brendan from our Discord cha- uh, channel, Trendy Brendy, who uh, was nice enough to trade me the Rapidash that I'm using. Well, he gave it to me when it was a ponyta, but uh, that I'm using in my main team now. So um, Galarian. Yeah, yeah. Is that the only option? I don't know. I don't know if regular ponytas there. I still need one, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'll hook you up. Um, oh, thank and you. And if not, ask Brendan. I'm sure he's still got a couple. He he was breeding them. Um, cool. So yeah, like if you need to get version exclusives, you want to find trading partners, fill in your decks, whatever, uh, go head over to the Discord. It's a nice group of folks, and we're having a good time. Uh, so moving off the Pokemon news for a little bit, uh, we got Animal Crossing Pocket Camp revealed two subscription services, two new subscription models, and people were not 
stoked about it. Uh, the Happy Helper plan is $2.99 per month and lets you pick uh, one of your favorite villagers as a campsite helper. And when you're not playing, they'll go and collect items and complete tasks for you, basically playing the game for you while you're not there. And uh, you get an extra 60 leaf tickets every month. Uh, the more expensive is one is the uh, Cookie and Depot plan, which is 8 bucks a month. And gives you a choice of five fortune cookies, which is the, you know, loot box in the game. And um, lets you pick from cookies that aren't found anymore. So, like, if there was, like, an event that you missed or whatever, like, you could potentially get stuff from that set or whatever. Um, and then they normally cost 50 leaf tickets, which is, again, as we said, that's, like, the in-game currency you can pay for. Um, so, like, you'll be getting these for that, you know, eight bucks a month. Oh, sorry. One more thing. One more thing. You also get a ability to um, expand your like inventory, so you could have more items on that eight on that eight bucks a month. I mean, you're getting something. I think people are really kind of sick of subscription models. It's it's just too much. Like I I get them wanting to find a way to monetize the people that are still playing that game because, you know, it has an audience and, you know, if you want to keep it alive, you want to make more money, I get it. But, like, Jesus Christ, that's a lot of money for, to me, what does not seem worth it. Yeah. Everything, to me, I put in the perspective of how many cups of coffee would this get me? Or, like, that's, like, you know, the $8 one is, like, that's, like, a, a meal, you know? Like, that could be your lunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, so, again, you have the money, you love the game, you know, not hating on anybody getting it. It's just, yeah, but... Yeah, it's just, can we can we do a little better than this, you know? Ten, $10 a month for, for that is, it seems like, a really bad deal to me. Yeah, me as well. Not for... And, it. like, I think the $3 one is, like, it seems like a better value, but it's, like, I don't know. It's it's just this, this definitely feels, like, gross, you know? Mm-hmm. It does. Um, so I, I uh, and I, I hate to say that, but you know, I, I, this does not feel like a good value. No, and we love Animal Crossing. We're not biased to the franchise at all. No, I love Animal Crossing. I, I love, love Animal Crossing, and I really like this game when I played it. Like, I, I think it's actually like a pretty good Animal Crossing mobile game. But like, mm -hmm. I just this is like, nah. I don't like seeing my favorite franchises like this kind of go that way to you know with that sort of subscription model i just it doesn't like you said it just doesn't feel right to me <laughs> yeah yeah um so moving right along this is the last item on the news list this week um this year's game awards uh have announced all of their nominees and interestingly enough every single game in the quote family game uh category is a nintendo game as it should be Right? <laughs> I guess. I, it's just like, it's such a weird category for me because I feel like it's almost always Nintendo games. And it's like, Ring Fit Adventure is a family game? How does that work? Yeah, right? It's like, can you ha you'd have to buy two Ring Fit Adventures. I don't know. It feels, it feels weird. It feels really weird. Yeah, and a lot of those games on that list, you know, in my opinion, uh, have a running for a lot of the other you know, the other um, you categories, know, categories, 
Um, and you have a hot take about that as well. <laughs> One of your favorite games not getting the nod you feel like it deserves. Yeah. Are you kidding me, man? Like, I cannot <laughs> believe that games journos did not show up for motherfucking Fire Emblem. <laughs> so real quick, I want to clarify this in case you don't know how the game awards work or like how the voting works or everything like that. I've seen a lot of confusion and misinformation about that on Twitter, uh, specifically because Jeff Keighley, who organizes and, you know, generally is like a host of the game awards, um, is in Death Stranding and is friends with Kojima. So people are like, oh, like, how can it be getting nominated for all this stuff? Like, how's that fair? Whatever, whatever. So the way the process works is that there's a selection of outlets, right? Ranging from, like, you know, uh, your IGNs, uh, you know, your, like, GameSpots, Game Informer, whatever, whatever. And then, like, some other, like, outlets, like, kind of funny and, you know, um, like, uh, what's good games and stuff like that, you know, where those people all like get a ballot from Jeff Keeley and they cast their votes for every one of these categories. So like if X game that you wanted to see show up in X category didn't, it's not, you know, like that's, that's the process. It's because, you know, critics didn't vote for it to be there, you know? Um, so that being said, like, I just cannot believe that Fire Emblem's not on this list. It, yeah. reviewed, it reviewed higher than a lot of these games. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, like, you know, we're just having having fun. You know, I have a lot of respect for Jeff. I'm not throwing yeah. shade at all. Yeah, that's why <laughs> I wanted to ex- explain how the voting yeah. works and everything, too, because, like, I, I totally am a fan of the Game Awards. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to, like, talk shit. I'm just saying, what the <laughs> hell, everybody? What and, and Jeff got hell? in on this, too. He basically said, so what do you guys think? Who did you feel like got snubbed, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. you know, he's he's playing along. It's all in good fun. But I'm with you. Like, a lot of games that, you know, just reviewed ridiculously high did not get a nod. It's interesting to see, you know, what people think about certain games. Like Death Stranding, for example. Totally a game I am not interested in not whatsoever. Not interested at all. Not at all. But it was in pretty much every category. So people, you know, must have must have liked it. And that's cool. It's so funny though, because like it was divisive. Like Fire Emblem is a game that I th- I'm mm. I'm pretty sure reviewed higher than it. Yeah, I think it was what uh, mid eighties, high eighties on Metacritic at I'm least. Looking, I'm trying to look it up right now. Yeah, I know it. Um, it did extremely, extremely well. It wasn't as divisive as like Death Stranding or Pokemon Sword and Shield. Sorry, it's a little yeah, eighty nine. It's got an eighty nine mm-hmm. on Metascore. And I'm yeah. pretty sure. Let's see with Death Stranding. I think that was sitting low. 80s, like it was like eighty. I want to say like eighty four last time I looked. But the user scores were pretty divisive. Yeah, like, it's at, I think it's that at an, was it. It's got an eighty three and a five point six mm-hmm. yeah. user score. And yeah. Fire Emblem, like we said, was eighty nine and it's got an eight point seven. You know, yeah, so, so it's, it's like right there. It's just surprising, you know, and I wonder, like, maybe Smash Brothers being there, people are like, well, we only want to nominate, like, one Nintendo game, but, like, two years ago, we had Mario vs. Zelda, so that's obviously, like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just weird. I'm surprised. I'm surprised, because, like, even Outer Worlds is a game that I think was, like, mid-80s in its reviews. Mm-hmm. You know, Sekiro is, like, a, a Souls action game, which is another game that's, like, kind of, it's niche, too. Maybe not as niche as, like, a tactical RPG, but... Um, And Control was another game that got like 80s, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm just surprised that it got snubbed. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right when you it said it. wasn't even like, a best RPG. Th- right. That's that's interesting. But it's crazy. I, I I think you're right where you say like and this Fire Emblem game sold extremely well, you know, past yeah. the 3DS basic like revival of the franchise. But it's a it is a very niche title, but has become a big heavy hitter for Nintendo. So yeah, yes, I don't know. Uh, I I'm surprised and a little disappointed. I'm sure it'll win in its category, mm-hmm. but I want it to win more than that. It deserves <laughs> it. It's my <laughs> game of the year. It's gonna clean up in the Loot Pots Game of the Year awards. Probably yeah. not though, because you're the only other one who played it. I don't know if you're gonna vote with me. <laughs> it's a great game. Is it? Is it? Is it Nintendo game. game of the Year for you though? No. <laughs> Damn it. What is? Uh, I think Luigi's Mansion 3 is hitting it for me. Yo, if Luigi's That's upsetting Mansion, to you, isn't it? If Luigi's Mansion 3 wins Game of the Year from us, I'm going to be so <laughs> mad. I want it to be Fire Emblem. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's they're just so happen. different, you know? They're just so different. But we have to pick one. That's the thing. We're going to yeah, vote. So I'm gonna, we're going to have everybody who works for the site vote on it, and we're going to pick. I have a feeling Luigi's Mansion 3 is going to do better. I think it is. <laughs> Me and Dan. <laughs> no, I don't. I, well, maybe. I think Dan will pick Mario Maker. Ah, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Moving along into our main topic this week. We're back for another mailbag. Uh, so you find folks wrote in uh, over on Discord specifically this week. Uh, But remember, you can write in a number of ways. Generally, we'll tweet out a link, a thread of questions. Hit us on the Discord, which you can go join if you haven't already. Or you could write to me, Pete, at LootPots.com if social media isn't your thing and you can write in the old-fashioned way um, like people often do. But this week, all our questions are coming from Discord. Uh, Number one comes from uh, actually a friend of mine, Scrimps, a.k.a. Tyler of the Longbox Podcast. Uh, He asks, who are some of your favorite Nintendo NPC characters? Whether it's a Chain Chomp, a Bokoblin, Funky Kong, or the correct answer, Opal from Sword and Shield. (laughs) I do like Opal. I do like Opal. She is a fancy, fancy lady. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And she just has the charm, too. Uh, favorite Nintendo NPC characters. I there. I mean, there's a lot. You know, like th- there's definitely a few I can throw out. But I'm trying to think of who the favorite favorite is. Yeah, that's, that's a tough, tough question. That's yeah. a tough question. My off the cuff answer is Professor Egad. Really? Yeah. Okay. And he's such a dick. He's yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't like him. He's evil. Yeah, he's such a dick. But I love him. You know. I do really love to. I. I might go with like KK Slider. I like him oh, a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's more your speed. I've I've got his amiibo, you know. Mm-hmm. Me too. I like. I feel like <laughs> I feel like a kindred spirit with him, you know. Where like in his early days, he's like playing acoustic guitar on the street and singing, and then he becomes a DJ and gets into making beats and stuff. It's like, yeah, I see you, KK. Mm-hmm. He does his thing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan of Mr. KK Slider, um, but I you know shout outs to like Blue and Gary yeah. Oak too. Absolutely. Classics. Or not Gary Oak, uh, Professor Oak. I oh, said blue okay. and it made me it made me think of Gary Oak. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, uh those are those are definitely favorites. Uh second question from him. What Pokemon horrifies you? Probably your mask. Your mask is pretty bad. Yeah. The thing is, man, 
there there are a lot of Pokemon that if you think about it are really horrifying. Yes. Like I saw I saw Tyler tweet about this earlier and he said uh Shintak or sh- sh- Shin like it's the like the shiitake mushroom guy with mm-hmm. like the the black eyes and the it's like that oh. fairy you know the one I'm talking about, right? No. I feel really? like a fake fan. Yeah, I'm sure if I see a pick. You would because I know you definitely saw it. It's mm. she uh Shinotic. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, uh yeah, yeah. here. I'll send you a picture. Yeah. Let me see if I uh, this yeah. this one, okay. He's yeah, horrifying. Bro. That's a great great <laughs> pick. It's a great pick. Um, oh man! But dude, like so many of them are messed up. Like I think it's uh, Driftbloom was the one. Driftloon was the one whose original Dex entry was how it would just like carry children off. It would like pretend it was a pump, or uh, it would pretend it was a balloon, and then like <laughs> you know pull pull children off to their death, like. Or there's that uh that new one, um, Hatney, I think it is. Yeah, Hatena's of all form, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. that whole line is like all about how if it like thirty miles away, here's your negative emotions, it'll come and kick your ass, and all kinds <laughs> of shit like that, you know. <laughs> so it's like there's so many Pokemon that are fucking horrifying. Yeah, or just like what does Mimikyu like really look like? Mimikyu is my favorite Pokemon, by the way. I love and- Mimikyu though. And just like the lore, and and it's yeah. just so interesting. It really is. But yeah, honestly, like Tyler, when I was playing Sword and Shield, I ran into a Shinitok, and I was like, "Dude, this is like one of the most fucked up Pokemon." <laughs> and like, so I'm with you. Like that, he really horrifies me. That's yeah. a that's one that's like, Mm-mm, man. <laughs> so I, there's yeah, there's a lot. Dusclops is weird too with that freaky eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Uh, okay, so this one comes from uh, Tyler's partner in crime, Left Eye Lazy in our Discord, a.k.a. Matt, who says, Does it bother you that most of the new Pokemon designs look like a poor man's Digimon? Damn. To which I say, you're a goddamn clown, Matt. <laughs> All right? There are I lots so of Pokemon, much respect, Matt. There are lots of Pokemon that look like broke-ass Digimon, but I don't feel like that's the case this gen. Also, let's all be real. A poor man's Digimon is like... What are you even talking about, man? Digimon's a poor man's Pokemon. So yeah, come on. Yes, yeah. the Dex is Got- really good this gen. Come correct, come on, man. What are you doing? Second question: Do you think the Switch will see more releases from the Star Wars back catalog? I'm trying to finish Kotor for the first time. Hmm. I do think we'll see more from the Star Wars back catalog. I wouldn't hold your breath for Kotor because that's a Bioware game, which is EA, and EA has been real reluctant to support the Switch and real reluctant to port old versions of their games anywhere. So, mm, I mean, I hope we'll see that policy change. I would also love to finish KOTOR for the first time on the Nintendo Switch, but uh, I don't I don't think you're going to get that one. But I think more from the line that we have already seen, you know, like, totally possible. And there's lots of games from that era that somebody obviously owns the rights to and is willing to play ball because they've been coming to Steam and now Switch. So, uh, so this one comes from Spark over on our Discord as well. Uh, favorite Super Nintendo game? Um, I have a very interesting answer. Uh, most people would say, right, like Secret of Mana or Mario That's World. the first one that you go to? Secret of <laughs> Mana? That's just fresh in my head. That's not, but... not, I don't think many people would say that. Well, screw you, everybody. <laughs> I love how you're like, you know, such mainstream games as Duh. The Secret of Mana and Mario. Like, <laughs> what? Not Zelda? Well, not... you know what? 
Chrono you know Trigger. What? Not Final Fantasy. No, Secret of Mana. <laughs> Number one JRPG. Oh, my of God. Course. Oh, my God. I am surrounded by a lot of people who love Secret of Mana, so that that's why it's like... I don't know one person who loves Secret of Mana. And I know they're out there, but I don't know one person that's like a Secret of Mana fan. Yeah. Well, anyway. Wow. Messed up. My favorite Super Nintendo game is Goof Troop. Yo. All right. I fucking love Goof Troop. That game is fun. I get it. Yeah. And it's just the music is awesome. I can like just recite it. You know, it's just, it's so good. DJ, so I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, We've talked about this a lot. You got to come over, help me finish my studio, and then we're going to do a stream of Goof Troop. Oh, I would love it. It's so fun, a, co-op. I have a copy of it. Let's go. I have so one, can, too. Oh, good. Let's stream so that shit. We I'll, have a backup. <laughs> much, much like the Goof Troop, we always stick together and we'll be the best of friends forever. So let's do this shit. We need to, like, you know how you can take the boulder and you can just throw it back and forth to each other? Yeah, dude. I spent, like, an hour doing that. So we should just do that for an hour on a stream. I don't think people will want to watch that, though. Yes, you will. All right, you let us know. You let us know. (laughs) All right, so this next one comes from Ram, one of our patrons and one of our boosters over on the Discord. I think that's what you call it, boosters, right? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they they boosted the Discord. Mark would know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Ram, probably our greatest supporter. So, uh, this one comes from uh, from them. Will Switch Pro ever come to fruition, or will it just be saved for a Switch Two? Yeah, I think definitely. We'll get a Switch Pro. Yeah. Whether it's in the form of a new tablet or a dock, uh, probably a new tablet. But I think we'll see something. I mean, granted, like I know the Switch is a hybrid console, so like there's an argument to be made that the that you can't necessarily depend on the traditional knowledge or wisdom of uh, of how they work with handhelds, but that's what Nintendo does. They put out a handheld, they make a light version, they make a pro version, and not pro, quote-unquote, but it'll be the same as the DSi or the 3DS XL or the new 3DS or whatever, where it'll be a little bit better, have a little bit more storage, cost a little bit more money, and we'll see the main model get a price cut, which we still haven't seen yet. Yeah, we've just seen bundles. And the introduction of of the Switch Lite, which is cheaper. Mm -hmm. But you got to imagine eventually both of those will get a price cut and they'll introduce a new model that they sell at the cost of what we're currently spending on a new Switch. But I think that's probably at least another – it could happen as early as next year, but I think it's probably more likely that it'll happen like 2021, 2022. Yeah, I think that they need to do something to combat the PS5 and Project Scarlet. They have to do something. Yeah, and whether that comes next year alongside, like, Zelda, or maybe it's the next year, like, we'll see what happens, but um, I think I think you can definitely expect to see a remodeled version of the Switch proper come out at some point. Uh, all right, so this one comes from Cronius. Alex Vance for Smash? No. <laughs> not a chance, and I, I'm not interested either. That's Damn. my hot take. I'm too young. I don't care about about half-life i just don't i've never played it and like i respect it for like its history but i do not have any hype for it you know like and it's one of those games i feel like it's too it's it's aged in a bad way and all the things that made it special when it was new are things we take for granted now because games have learned so much from it like it's Mm -hmm. so influential that it like feels trite when you go back when i would try to go back to it that's my impression of it you know um, based yeah. on the times I've tried to play it, so I mean, like the VR game looks fun. 
yeah, I, just, I don't care. I don't really care yeah. about VR anymore either. I'm like, I'm over it. I'm with you. This just, it, it looks fun. It supports a lot of headsets, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's cool. Uh, but yeah, I can't, I can't really get into it. I can't see myself getting into it. Nah. Uh, so this one comes, and this is our last question of the day. This one comes from JL2, who said, who do you expect to come to Smash? Oh, two Smash Bros. questions. Wow. Yeah, back to back. I don't know, like, who would be a realistic choice? I have people I would, or people or characters I would like to see. Right. But who but... do you think is actually going to come? And that's, oh, that's, man. that's the question, right? Because, you know, you look at the, the current roster list, right? And we know we have one more coming in this next pack. And I would imagine it's definitely going to be another third-party character. It's just like, who could it realistically be? And based on who we've gotten, I have a really hard time predicting. Because, like, I never would have guessed that Joker would have come to the game. You know, the hero from Dragon Quest was one that, like, you know, had been talked about for a while. But, you know, that wasn't, like, one that I definitely would have called either, you know? Banjo, I think, was one that, like, I definitely thought was going to happen. I want Egad. I just, I, I don't know. I want Egad and something. I don't think it's going to happen, though. It won't happen, but like that's not, what I want. Because, <laughs> like, who, this last person has got to be a third-party character, and I think whoever comes in the, the next set, it's hard to say, because I don't know if they're going to keep going with third parties or if they're going to, like, introduce more Nintendo characters again, because, you know, they could release characters for years like it's hard to kind of guess you know because it's totally on on tread ground um that's a question that'll be more interesting to come back to once the first character from the new set is announced but for this one i don't know man i really don't know i really don't know either you know i just have answers of who i would like to see i can't even pick a name on i have realistic I have a possible inkling that it could be Doom Guy. I could oh, see the cool. Doom Guy because you think about it, like Bethesda has been a huge supporter of the Nintendo Switch. Uh, both Doom games, like that are like modern games that are you know hardcore FPSs, have come to the platform. They're putting Doom sixty four on it again, which is you know a time when Doom was an exclusive to Nintendo game. You know. Um, so there, there is a lineage of Doom with Nintendo to some level, and they have that relationship with Bethesda. I think that makes a lot of sense for the last character in this slot. Yeah, that would be a really interesting character to play. I mean, I don't think it would be that crazy because it's one of those characters that when people used to say it, it's like, okay, like how would that possibly work? But it's like Snake has guns, Bayonetta has guns, like... Mm-hmm. Just he has a shotgun, whatever else. Like I don't know. I, I I don't think it's that crazy. You know. No, I don't think it's that crazy. I think more his aesthetic is. Yeah, is different. Like yeah, so that that would be a cool one. So that's that's my guess for now. That's a good guess. Let's go with that. I agree. <laughs> All right, perfect. So thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Pots Cast 49 for what it's worth. Forgot to say it in the beginning. Uh, if you want to show your support, make sure you give us a like on your audio streaming platform of choice. Uh, you know, subscribe to the RSS. Make sure you know when all these episodes go live, all that fun stuff. Uh, go visit Loot Pots all around the web on all the other places that we are at Loot Pots on Twitter. Uh, LootPots.com for reviews and news. Keep your eye out for my Pokemon Sword and Shield review. Um, 
and uh, what else? YouTube, Twitch, you know, you know how to internet. We're all over the place. Go find us. Uh, you know, come join the Discord. Write into me, Pete at Lupots.com if you want to hear your thoughts right on the air. And uh, just come, come connect with us, man. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear you. We'd love to read your thoughts on the air. We've been having a mailbag segment every week for like a month now, and it's been Awesome. I love getting to hear from you guys. And uh, if you want to go above and beyond to show your support, make sure you head over to patreon.com slash lootpots, just like Ram did, and uh, show your support there. If you hit us at the $5 level, you'll get access to our patron-exclusive show, After Dark, which DJ is the editor of. Shout out to you. Oh, yeah. That's why it's so good. Yeah, it's it is premium <laughs> content. If you want to hear, uh, you know, it's it's me and a and a random member of the Loot Pots gang every week. Usually, it's generally a one on one conversation. You know, DJ's on the show all the time. So if you liked hearing him on this episode, go check it out. I think on the most recent episode that's gone live at this point, you're on it. And if it's not the most recent one, it's the next one. So you're on a recent episode. <laughs> yes, one of them. And uh. If, and if you're a new patron, you'll get access to, like, the whole archive, and there are plenty of episodes of me asking DJ all kinds of inane questions that I find on Google. Um, so go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, we really appreciate your support. It helps us keep the lights on, helps us move forward and do all kinds of fun new stuff. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, thanks again to all of you who do support over there. And if you don't, thanks for listening anyway. We appreciate that you make us a part of your week every week. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for Episode 49 of the podcast. We'll catch you next time. 